Deliberators. This is Tiffany Coleman once again with another episode of Interesting People. Welcome to season two of Interesting People. I am very excited to have a friend of mine on the show today, but before we get to the guests, I just want to take a moment to promote the new drinkware that we have. There's a glare on the screen. I apologize, but it has Liberated Media, which is the name of my company, um, and these are available through our website. So go on over and uh, uh, purchase it and um, you can, um, when you get it, make sure you uh, hashtag liberated media and take a pic with it and post it to your social media. Today we have, I'm starting out with a bang, an explosion, a uh, um, a rainstorm even uh, with a friend of mine. His name is Royce Avoy. He is a special effects coordinator. He's worked on some things that are pretty notable, including, but not limited to, Blue Bloods, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Training Day, per- Person of Interest, Boardwalk Empire Kings, and Sorcerer's Apprentice. I want to introduce to some and present to others, Mr. Roy Savoy. Hey, Thank Tiffany. you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's a... All right, so we're just going to jump right into it. Um, so what is a special effects coordinator? Like, what do they do? Well, uh, a special effects coordinator, what we do is we set up the special effects on any show, whether it be TV or film, mm-hmm. to what the script asks for. Um, so we break down a script and we see certain things in the scenes, whether it's, say, it's a rainy day or there's a car crash or or bad guy number one gets shot. We, we read the script, break it down, and, and we execute all the special effects that are in that, in that script for the film. Gotcha. So, all right, so if there's an explosion, can I use like real fire? Yes, we do. Um, and it all depends because sometimes it all depends on time. On movies, we definitely do explosions. We'll do a big explosion, no problem. TV shows are a little bit different because you're, you're, you only have a certain amount of days of shooting an episode and a certain amount of times during the day. So we can do, and it depends. We can do a big explosion or a lot of times we do an explosion and then visual effects, which is computer, they'll enhance it depending oh, depending gotcha. on what we have to do, depending on the location. Well, you know, for us, because we film in New York City, some locations are harder to do an explosion than others. So we can do a smaller okay. explosion and let them enhance it, or we can do a big one depending where we're shooting. So like a busy New York street would be a smaller one, I, I assume. Yes, a, a smaller one, or we've done, we've done it before where it would be a, a, a busy New York street and but we will actually do the actual explosion somewhere remote behind green screen. And then they'll superimpose it into that scene in the street, yes. Oh, wow, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So I knew you guys did like explosions and fires and stuff. Do you guys do rain too? How does all of that work? Like how does rain work? Our special effects departments, we do everything. We do explosions, a lot, everything pyrotechnics and also weather effects, whether it be Rain, hurricanes, strong winds. We have big fans called Ritter machines, Ritter fans. Um, then you have um, snow, 
We do falling snow, ground snow coverage. Uh, we chip ice where we do actual real snow on the ground. Um, what else I'm trying to think? Also, we do car crashes, car flips, um, people getting shot. That's wild. Okay, okay. Shooting, you know, when a car gets shot up or when a wall behind a, an actor or, or a stuntman gets shot up, we, we rig all that. That's wild. Okay, so how does like, so how do you make a rainstorm happen? Rainstorms, we, we, do, we use rain bars, standing okay. rain towers, depending how big the scene is or how big the frame is of the camera, we will do standing uh -huh. rain towers or we have overhead rain bars that are that we hook on condors or cranes some they go from okay. 60 feet to 80 feet long that is wild yes and we, you could do a that lot of coverage and especially in new york and, and in new york again in new york city because we have city blocks and everything we have a lot of apartment buildings we also have roof pipes where we rig them onto the roof and they st and they stick out about 20 feet and then you, you run the holes all the way up to the top and you can fill in the block like that as well. That is so cool. Yeah. That is so dope. Wow. Okay, yeah. nice. Nice, nice. So, so I'm sure we've tantalized people with wanting to know how all of this uh, works. Um, but how does one prepare or study to become a special effects coordinator? Like what do we have to do to get in the game? Um, a lot of people that I know who are in special effects were either ex-carpenters, ex-welders, um, mechanics, electricians. It's just, you, you have to be mechanically inclined. And, and, and that's the first part, being mechanically inclined in, in any way. And then the pyrotechnics part of it comes on the job, on a job training, mm -hmm. uh, you, you, you have to take, you, you'll learn from your supervisor or your foreman or, 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 or the veterans of, of your crew, and they'll teach you how to do certain things. And you have to learn, log your stuff, take tests to get your licenses so you can move up in, in, in that world. Gotcha. So what kind of licenses should somebody be pursuing? Um, or well, looking in, in or? A, a federal, there's federal licenses that, that everybody should have. Uh, and then depending on the state that you work mm -hmm. in, like California has their state license. Okay. Which I had. Um, and New York, New York has their city license and their state as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I, okay. have, I have all three okay. for New York for New York State. Nice, nice. And so, is there something that people do for the fire department too, or? Well, you know what we have in our business, we do have a lot of fi ex firefighters who work with us and and work in mm -hmm. our business and get into the special effects part of it. Um, and but that's not the requirement of our job you don't have to be an ex-firefighter it's just you have to gotcha. because again we yeah. have you know special effects guys are like a um they do so much they do they they do everything mm -hmm. from electrical to welding to some carpentry 
to what they're doing in, a, in their scenes or in their shots to make their effects work. Gotcha. Gotcha. Because gotcha. when I used to see you around, I just thought you were a fireman. I was like, oh, where's yeah. the fireman? But no, well, you, you, used to see me with, you used to see me with my uh, FDNY explosive shirt a lot. That's why. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, I was no. like, it must be some fire involved in this episode. Okay. All right. No, no. <laughs> I, gra I graduated from, I, I went to school actually for aircraft mechanics. So, and I was always technically inclined. And it just, I, I fell into this business. I didn't, I didn't, you know, I moved to LA in 94, not to get into this business. I just moved to LA and I just fell into it. But okay, so that leads into my next question perfectly. How did you get into this business and what led you here and then to special effects coordinating? Well, my, my, my ex-wife, who we are still dear close friends, <laughs> She was living okay. out in LA already <laughs> and she works, she works for an entertainer. Mm -hmm. She works for an entertainer. And mm -hmm. when I moved to LA, they were doing a movie in Virginia and the special effects coordinator took a liking to, to her name is Maria to Maria and said, Hey, you know, they started, they brought me up and he's like, what does your boyfriend do? Oh, he's, he's working for the phone company back in California. So if he wants to get into the business, let me know. I can hook him up. And it was brought to my attention. I was like, wow, you know what? Something new, something different. Yeah, I'll try it. You know, I was 28 at the time, 27, 28. I said, sure. And that's how I got in. I started working for a huge effects house in, in Los Angeles called Special Effects Unlimited. A lot of guys in the business oh, wow. in LA and California started out at that effects house. And um, that's where I started and stayed I stayed in California for nine years before I moved back to New York in 2003. Wow. Wow. Okay. That's fun. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Nice. Nice. So what was your favorite project to work on or projects to work on and why? Um, you know what? I had a, I had a few favorite projects. Um, but my number one was actually training day because I, I got to work with. Oh my gosh. With. Antoine Fuqua and I got to work with mm -hmm. Denzel. I got to work with Denzel, which was which was an honor. Um, and and it was a good learning experience because I that show was the I did the most bullet hits on you know in my life, you know, at that time on that show because we had rigged uh, Denzel Washington with about 78 bullet hits. He got shot up 78 times. Oh, my God. Because, of, you know, Antoine. Wait, and, and so this is for that end scene. Yes, this is for the end scene. Exactly. Right. And, uh, yes. and, and, uh -huh. then, and then the car itself had 250 bullet hits on the car. So Ooh. as Denzel was getting shot, all that was going off all at the same time. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was quite Oh the my theme. gosh. And so you guys shot this and you guys shot this where? We we shot we shot this in LA. Um that one scene Okay. We, that one scene we shot it was closer to I trying to remember it's way back. We, we were closer to the airport, LAX, not too far from the airport. I think we were in South Central somewhere. Okay. Um but then okay. all the, uh, but a lot of it was filmed in every 
every hood in LA because because Antoine Fuqua <laughs> likes to shoot his his movies. He wants everything to be authentic. He didn't he didn't want to do anything on a stage or anything like that. So he wanted the real deal. He want we we shot in neighborhoods that were bloods. That was the blood territory. We shot in neighborhoods that were crip territory. And on that shoot, we had a blood and a crip on payroll to keep the peace. That is wild. Yeah. That is wild. Yeah. So um, it was, it did was you ever meet those shoot. people? Huh? Um, did you ever meet those people that were the blood and crip people? Oh, absolutely. 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 I mean, we, we interacted. Mm -hmm. and we even interacted because a lot of people, okay, so the famous scene in the cul-de-sac was uh, on, was in uh -huh. South Central. Yes. Okay, they call that, that area, that once the strip with a cul-de-sac, they call it the jungle because there's only one way in and one way out. So, you know, as soon as you go in, there was an apartment building where you had guys who were watching the block with AK-47s. And so I, we actually interacted and hung out while we were, because we were shooting nights. We hung out with the, with the locals that were there. Yeah. You know, we had to. Yeah. We were there for months, right. you know, shooting there. Right. So, and, then, and then Antoine used a lot of the locals. Like during that last scene where, where Denzel does this whole King Kong thing, a lot of people mm -hmm. that were, a lot of the extras that were in the street were the actual uh, residents of the neighborhood. Get out. Yeah. Get out. Yes. Wow. And you have an interesting story about the, um, the King Kong monologue you told me. Oh, yes, that's right. So the reason, one of the reasons why I say this is one of my best projects to work on is when we were shooting that scene, the famous scene where Denzel says, King Kong doesn't have shit on me. Right. I, I forgot how it was written, but when we did one take, we did one take of it. And Antoine, when Antoine said cut, he, you know, he went up to Denzel. He's like, oh, I'm not feeling it. He goes, you know what? And he, he called Denzel D. He goes, hey, D. Mm -hmm. Do me a favor. Just go for what you know. Just ad lib, you know, go, just go with it. Mm -hmm. And Denzel was like, okay, you know, give me a few minutes. And, you know, gave Denzel like five minutes. And when we shot the scene, that scene is what, that whole dialogue was ad-libbed. And when, <laughs> when he finished and, and, and Antoine said cut, everybody was still like, like, wow, where did this come from? Like, and then, and then there was, a, there was a pause before, you know, Antoine was like, that, you know, he yelled, that was great. And then everybody started to clap, but yeah, that was all ad libbed. And that was, that was oh a great, my God. yeah. Oh my God. So it was, yeah, and, and was Denzel nice? Yeah, Denzel was great. Every, everybody was good on that show. Everybody, Ethan Hawke was great. Eva Mendez, everybody was good. You know, Dr. Dre was there, yeah. you know, he, Everybody on that whole that whole crew cast, they were great. They were great. Oh, awesome. Awesome. That is so cool. Um, but to get back to what you do, I'm sorry, we just went on a tangent there. <laughs> but so 
that that is a great tangent um but that last scene that you did you uh, that last scene in the film you're somebody like you was involved with that yes well what right yes and and still and i was still i'm not i wasn't a baby in the business but i was only in a business by then like six years maybe six years so Mm -hmm. yeah i i rigged i rigged the cars for the bullet hits and then one of my other colleagues David, he rigged all the Denzels because he he was, or uh, you know, he was a veteran in pyrotechnics, so he was trusted to do Denzel's wardrobe because you know Denzel was taking seventy eight bullet hits. That's a lot. Um, so he rigged Denzel's bullet hits, and then my boss, who was Marty Brezen, he's passed. He's the, he was the guy who hit the button. We rigged all the wires and everything from the car to Denzel and we rig them all into a box, which we call a clunker box. And then they go, everything is set up in sequence, how they should go off. You know, we, you know, Marty asks Antoine, how do you like this to go off? Do you want like this, this on the car to go off, then some of Denzel's wardrobe and then this go off and then, so we have to set it up that way in that box. And then when we turn it on and arm it, all Marty does is presses a button and that's what happens. You know, that, you know, some of the car will get shot and Denzel will get shot. And, and that's how it goes. Wow. So, um, so it's safe to say that everything. Your volume went down a little bit. Everything is correct. Tiffany. Can you hear me? Yeah, your volume was low. I can hear you, but very low. Oh, okay, sorry about that. That's fine. I'm so sorry. Is that better? Still the same. Adjustments here. Oh no. Oh. But I can hear you. Let's let's continue. Okay. Um. So something like this, like a shoot or a scene like that, is well planned out. Like everybody knows everything that's going to be happening. Exactly. It's, it's well planned out and you have for, for a scene that complex and that big, you have meetings all throughout the shoot. You know, you'll have effects meetings with the, with the writer and the director and the AD, you know, every week on, Hey, okay, this is how we're going to do it. And if things change, then we have a meeting again. Okay. This has changed, so we're going to do it this way. So, yeah, there's something that complex and that big. We have meetings about it constantly. Exactly. No, 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 no. We, it, <laughs> no, there's a lot that goes to it. Yeah, there's a lot of meetings. And then by the time we get to that point, everybody knows what they're doing. We do a few rehearsals. We have a safety meeting to let everybody know what's going on. Um, and who can be close to, to the area when we're doing this and who can't. Uh, the stunt people, Denzel, we have, you know, we have this safety meeting and we explain everything that's gonna happen. We explain it to Denzel, we explain it to the stunt guys and then the stunt coordinator will say what he has to say and then we'll shoot. Because a special effects coordinator and a stunt coordinator, they work hand in hand when we're doing uh, like big effects gags and everything that deal with people being involved. Gotcha. Yeah. 
everything. So as long as you're on a professional street, people don't have to really worry about their safety. No, people don't have to real no because we set the, the 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 stunt coordinator and the special effects coordinator. We set the safety guidelines. We're the ones that say, you you know, no whoever doesn't have to be on the set, step away. And and only the essential people are 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 right by the action. And when after and then after the action is done, no one goes to the actor or, or the car, if we did a car flip or explosion, no one goes in there except for special effects and stunt coordinators. And then we give the okay for everybody else to come in. Once everything is safe. So there, so it's very, it's, it's monitored. Everything is plot out to a T. So it sounds like it's a very sophisticated operation. It is, and, and uh, thank God, and, in the 26 years that I've been in this business, I, I haven't had an accident. You know, they, they've been, you know, unfortunately they've been accidents on sets. Um, they've, they're where people, you know, you had some people who've passed away during a shoot, um, unfortunately. Uh, people have gotten hurt. But you reach, I, you know, my crew and where I work with, the people who I work for and work with, we take every every possible safety precaution there is. And if we feel, if I, if I feel something's not safe, I won't do it. I'll say no until we rectify it. Gotcha. You know, there have been times where, you know, a director says, well, I want to do it this way. And I go, you can't do it. And they wouldn't get, they would get mad. Why do you mean, what do you mean I can't do it? It's not safe. It's not safe for the actor or anything. We can't do it that way. The actor has to be this far away from it for it to be safe. And so my main thing, I don't want anybody getting hurt. You know, I've, I've yeah. built a reputation Absolutely. X amount of years. I don't, I don't want it ruined because of, of me bowing down for being pressured into doing something that I didn't think was safe. Love it. Love mm -hmm. it. So when people call you, they know that they're getting a real. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, um, like the explosives unit in, in, in New York, who they have to give us our permits for when we're doing certain things. When they come out or they know it's me, they're like, oh, we know everything's going to be fine. We don't need, like sometimes, you know, they would have to stay and monitor. Even if it's the smallest of, of the things, it just depends on a person. They're like, all right, we're going to stay in monitor. With me, they don't do that. It, 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 they don't, they go, oh, we know everything's going to be fine. You, you're going to take care of it. And which is, it's a good feeling that, of course, you, you want, yeah. you want to be known as, as Mr. Safe and not hurting anybody because that's how you get more work or, and people are, feel safe around you. So they don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What do you think it takes to be successful in film and television? Um, persistence, um, dedication, mm. because, because this business, the entertainment business is, is for the chosen few. I always say that, especially for people who work on sets. Mm -hmm. it's, it's because um, the hours and the amount of time that we're away from home. 
Um, mm -hmm. You know, as being just a regular technician, you know, you're there to work, you do your job, and then you get to go home. But as a coordinator in my field or any other field, whether you're a stuntman or, or you're a, a, a key grip, a key electrician, our, our days are a lot longer because you're always dealing with production, whether it's after, you know, during a shoot, after you're shooting, you're, you're dealing with emails, reading scripts all the time. So it's an ongoing process for us. It's, it's, it can be, sometimes I say it could be a 24 hour job and it, it is because you're, you're pretty much on call. Yeah. yeah. So it's just dedication. My main thing is, is, is showing up to work on time. I'm a big, mm -hmm. one of my mm -hmm. biggest pet peeves is tardiness. And, and I, <laughs> I, I've never been late for work. Never. Never? Ever. ever. Never. Come on. Never. I've never been late for work. What? No, That's I've wild. never been late for work. And the old timers in this business would tell me, if you get to, if, you know, as you know what it is, we have a call time. Our call time is seven. Right. Okay. So the old timers used to teach me. They taught me and they said, if you get here a half an hour before call, you're late. And I, and I didn't get it yeah. at first. And I was like, oh, you know, okay. Then eventually I did. And then one of my old bosses used to say, it's seven, he used to tell me, it's, it's, when his call time says 7 a.m., it's 7 a.m. having had. Mm -hmm. That means you've already had your breakfast, you already had your coffee, you've, you've, did what there you had to go. do, with it. go to the bathroom or whatever you had to do. But 7 a.m., you go to work. You start work. Not not you come in at 7 and says, oh, I'm going to go get something to eat now. No. <laughs> and that's how I always lived by. So, I mean, I, I'm, but I'm a whole different species because I'm anal. I, I mean, I, I would, sometimes I get to work like an hour, an hour, hour and a half. It all depends. Wow. Wow. That's an impeccable record to, to have. That's impeccable. You know, and, impeccable. and, and, and the thing is, okay, so let, all right, let me rephrase that then. I've never been late to a, to a, a job to, I mean, to work in mm -hmm. real standards. Um, under my standards, I've been late. Because there's times where I've, I've come in, like, because of, say, a traffic jam or something, or something's happened on the road, I would get to work, like, if right. five minutes before call, or, or, or actually at seven, or at, you know, at, at the call time, and to me, that's late. Because, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, I, I get out of the car, and I run straight to set. So I have not, I, yeah, to me, that's late. So yeah, that's happened to me a few times, but I've never actually like been okay. going to work an hour later or half an hour. No, never. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's, that's incredible. And I try incredible. to put that in my guy. Hopefully. Yeah. 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 Right. Who or what inspired you? inspired me in this business or inspired me period 
Let's let's do both. Let's do both. You know what? I I, I can't say in, in this business. There's no one in this business in, in my field that inspired me. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like I got into this business. There wasn't that many people. Well, there wasn't pretty, there wasn't really anyone um, that was of color mm. in a high position, like as a coordinator or in this, in, in this mm -hmm. business when I first got in. Um, you know, a, a few of my bosses were great. They taught me a lot, but I think I, I inspired myself because I wanted to try to be the best um, at my job. And I tried to push myself because of the fact that there wasn't that many um, people of color in, in our business that I, I, always, mm -hmm. I always felt like in a, in a way that I, I, I was, I worked harder to prove myself. I, you know, I had to prove myself. I had something to prove. Yeah. And I, and then out of this business, my mother inspired me. Mm -hmm. My mother was always my inspiration. She's my, uh, you know, uh, she was a single mom for years. I was raised by her and she was very mm -hmm. independent and, and worked hard for what, you know, what we have or what we had and what we have now that, um, you know, it, it pushed me, it pushed me yeah. to be better. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And last question in this set is, um, why do you love this line of work? Like what keeps you coming back? The money. Uh, um, <laughs> You know, I'm going to be honest. I'm, I'm going to be honest. There's, there's some days that I'm, I'm like, I wish I wasn't in this business. Mm. Uh, as I've gotten older, because I feel yeah. like, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it just takes so much of your time and you feel like life is, has, has gone by. Really? I mean, this is in my case, because you miss out on a lot. You do, because you dedicate yourself so much to your job and to this business. Um, and, and you're away from home a lot is you feel like you miss out a lot, mm. but, um, how can you not like this job? You get paid to blow things up. You get paid to make, <laughs> make rain, make mud, uh, you know, crash, they literally car, make it cra rain. Yeah, <laughs> crash, you know, yeah, crash cars, uh, we you know, effects, effects men and stunt men are just overgrown kids. We just, Grow, you know, little kids and grown men bodies. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> and it, it, it's fun. I mean, we get to we get to try new things. We get if if we they, they're all they're always there's always like a challenge because somebody will want something that you go wow how how are we gonna figure that out to do that mm. to make it work correctly and make it look good and make it look believable and that's when you get mm -hmm. you know because. An effects coordinator is only as good as his crew. Mm. And you got to have a good crew behind you. And, and then you go to yeah. your guys, how are we going to make this work? And then we, everybody, you know, puts their head together and, and come up with a plan. And we test it out or try it out and voila, there it goes. 
So yeah. it's, it's, it's challenge. It can be challenging. And there's sometimes where it's yeah. not challenging. It's like, okay, you did one explosion, you did them all. Or, you know, you shot somebody, uh -huh. you, you know, somebody gets shot. Okay. I mean, I did a TV show that we shot somebody every episode and it just was, it was like, okay, all right. Does, how many people got to get shot? No problem. Done. It, it, was, it was like a no brainer. Like you could do it with your eyes. Wow. Wow. Yeah. But, uh, but, Every project is not the same, though. No, no. Every, every project, project isn't the same. No, we... Um, Absolutely. You know, you have some projects that you'll have more certain type of effects than others. Um, I did... We did the Adjustment Bureau, and... Mm -hmm. And we did... That, that show had a lot of rain. I mean, we, we did a rain scene that was over a block long. That it was a continuous rain Ooh. that they shot. It was a, one shot through the rain. And it was a, over a block long. Wow. Yeah. And uh, we did wow. a lot of rain on that show. Um, and then you had shows like, like Born Ultimatum. I mean, Born Ultimatum was a show that was crazy, crazy. Because the only, I'll I tell you, it's, it's not a secret of the job, but and, and they only have one set of cars on that job that the car coordinator had. So mm -hmm. every car that we crashed or whatever, we had to, the effects crew had to take it back to the shop and bang it out and make it look almost like it wasn't crashed. And we, what? we worked what? so many crazy hours on that show. It, it was nuts. It was nuts. And then this was before. Oh, my God. And this was pre all the restrictions that were set upon New York City for doing, you know, stunts in, in, in the streets. Because there are some restrictions that, that you can't go a certain amount of, you can't drive over 25 miles of an hour doing a stunt in the city. But this is pre. Oh, wow. Was, I didn't know that. Yeah, uh -huh. this, this was pre. So we were, we were going down oh. the at like 60 miles per hour and their car crashing and all. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Same thing with Pelham 123. Pelham 123, we were doing the same thing. Good movie, by the way. Good movie. Actually watched it not too long ago for the first time. I was like, it's... anyway, sidebar. Is that the tangent? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's so cool. That is really cool. Wow. Yeah, I, I love, I love right. my business in New York. I do. I love it in New York. As you should. As you should. Roy, this has been great. It's been great chatting with you. My um, hope is here. that somebody somewhere somebody somewhere sees this and it'll inspire them to want to become a special effects person um, and to know that you can do so much in the, in the uh, film and television industry um, mm -hmm. that isn't necessarily actor, director, producer, Whatever. Exactly. There's so many other departments in this business to be in and be involved. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I I wanted to end the show the same way I end all of them um, with this questionnaire. It's just Spitfire questions. Okay. Don't think too hard about it. Um, and um, it's just I just wanted an interesting way to get to know people outside of the conversation or the. Um, the box that we've been in in the conversation so um so will you play along with me absolutely with me? <laughs> absolutely
Cool. All right. What is your favorite word? Daughter. My favorite word is daughter because I love. You've got daughter. one. Yeah, because I got one. My one and only, <laughs> one and only child, and I love her to death. She's she's oh, everything to that's me. That's great. Yes. Oh, oh. What's your least favorite word? Nigger. Um, because I'm just, I've dealt with racism my whole life, mm -hmm. and I just that's not a word that I use. I don't, I don't like using that word. I don't, I don't, um, I'm Afro-Latino, which, which is, you know, I'm half black and half Puerto Rican. So I've dealt with racism on the Latin side, not so much the, the, the African-American side, but a lot from the Latin side in early, like in the eighties and seventies, but, um, not mm -hmm. as much now. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, I'm just not a big fan of racism. That's a, that's a trigger word for me. Understood. I'm not a fan of it either. Yeah. Um, what turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Um, an independent woman, a woman who knows what she wants. And, and one of my things, and I, and I tried to instill it in my daughter as well, because I guess I saw it from my mother. Um, is like, I've, I'm the type of man that Somebody, you know what, actually not even saying an independent woman, somebody who's independent, somebody who, like, like, I know so many people who go, oh, I can't be without a woman because I can't cook. Or, or a woman, or a woman saying I need a man in my life because I can't put together uh, my TV or, or, or program things, but I, I need a man in my life for that. And, and, and like, I feel like you're, mm -hmm. you're, you're limiting yourself. Yeah. And, and, and like, I, I, I try to instill that in my daughter too. Like my, my daughter's very like being, being self-sufficient. Uh -huh. uh, like, you, you know, uh -huh. I don't ever want some, I don't ever want to depend on anybody and feel like, Oh, I can't do this because that person's not here. Or I don't have this person in my life. Or, uh -huh. I feel, uh -huh. you know, I, I, one thing my mother taught me since I was, I, I can cook clean. So, <laughs> um, get out. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm I'm the only child of a single mother, so you know it was mm -hmm. till I to the age of thirteen. It was her and I. Yeah. So once I got a certain age, she goes, "Oh, you know how to cook. You can cook for me now." Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the same thing with my, again, like Mama my daughter. Had a plan. Yeah, and the same thing with my daughter. I try mm -hmm. to instill that in her. Like, don't don't think you. You shouldn't have to need a man to take care of you. You should need somebody so you can take care of each other. Oh, I love that. So I'm, I'm, I'm big on just being independent. Get it? I so love strong, it. independent woman to turn it. on. <laughs> well, then to counter that, what turns you off? <sighs> what turns me off? You, you know, I can I can go back to what, one of the previous questions is is racism. That um, that that just is it's just a huge it, it it is a huge turnoff. It's a huge it gets me down. 
because of the fact that I, I wasn't raised that way. Like my, you know, again, like as I said before, I'm, I'm half black and half Puerto Rican. And I was born in 1967 at a, at a time where in the Latin community, being pregnant by a black man wasn't accept, acceptable at all. Mm. Um, and, you know, my, my family has never been like that. Like my family has never been like, I mean, my, my, my stepfather who's been in my, my life since I was 12, 13, 12, he's Scottish. You know, and you know, I, 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 I dated my, my daughter, my daughter is black. My, my, I dated a woman who was Korean for 10 years. So it's like, there's no, I, I don't see people as, as color. I don't, I, I, I never have. So racism is, is turns me off big time. Or if, if I hear anybody even mm -hmm. speak of it, it, you know, or, or say anything racist, it just, it's, a, I, I say something, I stand up to, for whoever, if it's said in front of me. So yeah, that, that is a big turn off. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a great way to be too. It's a great way to be. Yeah. We need more like you. I'm not saying I'm a perfect angel, but there's certain things. <laughs> There's certain things that he, oh, I, just, I never said that. <laughs> I never said that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's just certain things that, that just are, are not acceptable. <laughs> um, as a New Yorker, what's your favorite curse word? Fuck. Because you can use it in so many ways. <laughs> Why didn't I know that? <laughs> you can use it in so many ways. Go fuck yourself. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> fuck you. You know, I mean, you can't go wrong with it. You can't go wrong with it. You can use it when you're excited. Yeah, I mean, exactly. So, no, that's my favorite word. My favorite curse word. I get it. What sound or noise do you love? Rain. I love, I love... Rainfall, the sound of rainfall, thunder, and lightning. It's mm -hmm. one of the most soothing sounds. I mean, I have a soundtrack that I, I play it every night for the white noise that I need to go mm -hmm. to bed. It's, it's a rain soundtrack. I get it. I get it. I get it. That's good sleeping weather right there, too. It Speaking is. a good night one. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. What sound or noise do you hate? Oh, wow. I'm trying to think. You know, the funny thing is, you know, we, we talked about this before and it still stumps uh -huh. me. Um, Only if you don't have the noise that you can think of, it's okay. I, I, I don't. I don't really have a noise that I, I. I'm trying to think of that I that I hate. That mm -hmm. I know. Okay. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? What profession other than my own that I'd like to attempt? You know, at, at one point, mm -hmm. um, I tried. I I tried stunts. Um, 
which I enjoyed, which I enjoyed, but I, I got, I, I got into the stunt world and, and did a few stunts, not a lot. And I, and, and I got into it. I was already in my late forties. I should have got into it when I was in my twenties. And so there's certain, there's certain stunts that, you know, I, I, I can't do, you know, like I'm not, I'm not going to jump out of a building, you know, eight, eight stories high or anything like that. Um, but I also, you know, at one point, I always, I thought about like writing and directing. Mm. That would have been a mm. cool thing to get into. But I, I, I'm, you know, for me, it's like once I get into a, I'm the type of person, once I get into one profession, is like I try to, I, I zero in on that profession and just, you know, excel okay. from there. Um, and, and it's hard. Yeah. I feel like in my, what I do for a living and where I'm at in, in, in this business, being a special effects coordinator, it's hard to, I don't think there's enough time in the day for me to try to do that, deal with scripts, read scripts, break down scripts, and try to write as well. Mm -hmm. Or, or it, it just, it's not there for me. Mm -hmm. It's not there. It for takes me. a minute. Like if you're going to write, if you're going to write, it takes a lot. Exactly. Exactly. It's not, you know, and I know so many people, mm -hmm. I know so many people in the business I, I, who, who have been trying to break into the business for 10, 15 years with, with scripts and still haven't been able to. Mm. And it's not an easy, this, wow. this business is not easy all around to get into. And yeah. you have to mm -hmm. really be persistent. And if you're not that type yeah. of person, then you're not going to make it because you're going to get discouraged really quickly. Yeah. yeah, you will. Yeah, you will. What profession other than your own would you not like to attend? Anything office work, I can't do. I can't be indoors okay. for eight hours or I, I, I can't be stuck inside a cubicle or inside an office. I have to be outside in the elements. Oh, I've been like mm -hmm. that since I was a, a teenager. Um, I, I figured that out as a teenager. My first job was in my mother's company. She worked for um, the stock exchange and I was in the office I worked in the corrections department where I would take quotes, mm. quotes that came up on one ticker tape and input it on a computer. And I looked at the clock like every 10 minutes, hoping that an hour had passed by, but it was only 10 minutes. So I knew then I was like, I can't, I can't be in an office. Understood. Understood. And if heaven, if you believe heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Um, your father's been here waiting for you. Mm. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm not a true believer of, of heaven and hell. I'm not, but if there is, uh, that's what I would like to hear. And I would like to know that my father's there. Um, mm. my father and I really didn't know each other. He wasn't around a lot. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and when I did finally meet him, he died two years later. So mm. we never had, we've never had a father and son connection. So yeah, that, that, mm -hmm. I would like to hear that. 
I would like to hear that we at, at some point we would be at the same place. Wow, wow, wow. Well, Roy, that, um, that ends the interview, but thank you so much for being willing to share with me today and hanging out with me for a little while. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Absol absolutely. So if people want to reach out to you, um, where can they go? Are you on Facebook, Instagram? Where are you? I'm on Facebook and I'm actually on Instagram now. I, 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 um, Yay. I, I went back on. <laughs> um, I, my, my Instagram is Roy J, the middle initial J, Savoy. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then um, my, my Facebook is Savoy Roy. Gotcha. And I'll post a link um, in the description below. So people, so people want to message you or have questions, are you willing to take a few? Absolutely. Absolutely. Perfect. 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 And as always, friends, you can find me on Facebook, Tiffany L. Coleman, um, Tiffany L, uh, Tiffany underscore L on Instagram. And you can visit our website at www.liberated-media.com. This has been another episode of Interesting People. Thank you so much for being with us today. Have a, Take care of each other. Be kind to one another. And I wish you all nothing but the best. Talk to you soon. All right.